All right, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your presence here with us. God, this morning as, uh, as I speak, God, I ask that um, you would speak through, through the words that I have prepared, um, that they would be from you. And uh, God, I ask that hearts and ears would be open to hear today what you have to say by your spirit. May we correctly apply what you have said to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a few years back, probably around 2013, there was a sudden surge in the use of the word blessed. Uh, Across social media, people began tagging their tweets and posts and images with hashtag blessed. Now that shows that I'm getting older because that's far outdated by now, but blessed quickly became a way for people to express the favorable circumstances that they found themselves in. And, and I'll give people the benefit of the doubt and assume that it started out with well-meaning people wanting to express gratitude for the good things that they had or had experienced. Not really the worst thing in the world to post things that you're thankful for, I mean really, but it quickly morphed into something entirely different. It's not like this is a new thing really either. Actors, athletes, and, and other famous people have been using blessed to express gratitude for their achievements, for, the, for their lot in life for years. You know, it's the, it's the classic, you know, holding the award. And I've, I've just been so blessed with this opportunity and these amazing coaches who helped me to be the best that I could be. And, and, and I'd just like to thank God for helping me win. So maybe a hint of sarcasm there. That's, that's always, you know, like my favorite, right? When, when God gets credit for winning a sports game, that's, I have to confess, I, I remember times in high school when the volleyball match was really close, and I was silently praying. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe the rest of you have done this too, or, or you've had that, right? And, and, I, and I hope it's just because, you know, I, I tend to run to God when I'm in distress, and so just, you know, but... Looking back, what a selfish thing to pray for, really. I mean, winning a, winning a volleyball game? <laughs> it, it, reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of a comic I saw once. Uh, I think it's some football player pointing up as he's going into the, touch, to the end zone touchdown, and he's, he's saying, this touchdown's for you, Jesus. Meanwhile, in the next frame, God's up in the clouds, and he's watching hockey. <laughs> some of you have seen it. But anyway, the whole, uh, the whole hashtag blessed thing, it, it isn't necessarily new. Uh, but as often, uh, as often happens with the, with the wide reach of the internet, it didn't take long for non-Christians and Christians alike to post all manner of things that left them feeling hashtag blessed. It's amazing all the things that God was suddenly getting credit for. In a New York Times article, Uh, Back in 2014, Jessica Bennett writes this, Here are a few ways that God has touched my social network over the past few months. He helped a friend get accepted into graduate school. She was hashtag blessed to be there. He made it possible for a yoga instructor's Caribbean spa retreat. Hashtag blessed to be teaching in paradise, she wrote. He helped a new mom outfit her infant in a tiny designer frock. A year of patiently waiting, and it finally fits, feeling hashtag blessed. 
And he graced a colleague with at least 57 Facebook wall postings about her birthday. So hashtag blessed for all the love, she wrote to approximately 900 of her closest friends. It also didn't take long for people to get annoyed by all these blessed people and and their humble bragging. And thus the word blessed quickly began to lose a, a ton of meaning. And now many simply use it as a way to make fun of the absurd ways it's been overused. Like comedian David Magwood who tweeted, caught a piece of bacon falling out of my sandwich right before it hit the ground. Hashtag blessed. Or this joke account by the name of Trailer Swift that tweeted, woke up next to a bucket of KFC. Hashtag blessed. Now, as ridiculous as as some of these internet things can get, I believe there's a lesson to be learned. We may laugh at the absurdity of it all, but when we stop for a moment... (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) I thought it it is hilarious. (sighs) It's okay, we can all laugh. It was a joke, you know. Again, though, the absurdity of it, right? Hashtag blessed. We, we stop for a moment and we evaluate our own lives. And, and I think we may be surprised to realize that a lot of us really think this way, right? This way of thinking, it, it has crept into our day-to-day lives and into our church. Sure, many of us Christians, we push pretty hard against the prosperity gospel, right? We, but, but in our hearts, when we, when we take an honest look... In a lot of ways, aren't we in it for the blessings? Don't we still often think that surely if I do all the right things, then God will bless me? Or if things aren't going well, then maybe God must be punishing me. But, but, if, but is this what the Bible teaches about being blessed? Is living blessed synonymous with being successful? Happy, healthy, and wealthy. Is the Christian version of hashtag blessed having a happy marriage, obedient children, a flourishing ministry, a, a financial security, trustworthy friends, and, and, and a successful career? What, what does it mean to be blessed? We're currently working through uh, various lessons in the book of Psalms. And last week, Pastor Jesse, that sounds a little bit weird to say, Pastor Jesse, Still getting used to it. Talked about the power of story and how the Psalms teach us to find God in our story. And a couple weeks before that, I talked about, in a short devotional, how the Psalms reveal God's missional heart and his desire for the nations when we had our EMC Day of Prayer for Missions. And Jesse started us off talking about how the Psalms model complete messy honesty in our relationship with God. And, and all that little recap, just to, just to tell you guys once again that if you want to check those out, they should be up on the website. Uh, so go to pvchurch.ca and check them out if you want to get caught up. But again, this morning, we are going to continue in the book of Psalms and try and find out more about this blessed issue. Uh, bless, uh, never mind. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to jump right in, right into the beginning, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, which, can anyone guess how Psalm 1 starts? 
Blessed. Blessed. Blessed is the one. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but, but the commentaries that I read point out that the Hebrew word used here, esher, can also be translated as happy. A number of scholars have suggested that it is significant that the book of Psalms start this way, starts this way as it seems to introduce a major theme that runs throughout the book of Psalms. Um, in, in fact, the theme of blessedness or happiness, uh, that specific word, Esher, is, is, shows up 26 different times in the Psalms. And, and the psalmists are asking, can we be blessed? Can we find happiness? And if so, how? What, what is this happiness? So we're going to read some of those psalms and find out. And, and I'm going to jump uh, to a bunch of them. I have them bookmarked because, you know, I thought ahead. And, and uh, so don't stress if you can't keep up. Um, they'll be up on the screen. But that being said... This last Wednesday, we had a fantastic youth event here, and we did a good old-fashioned sword drill. And so, um, for you youth, if you have your Bibles and you want to, like, get your uh, page-turning skills up to par, maybe you can try and keep up. So, starting, Psalm, chapter 1, verse 1. The rest of you can, too, if you want to, uh, but no pressure. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Jumping ahead to Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 to 2, says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed or blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Continuing on in Psalm, moving ahead to Psalm 40, a couple pages over. Psalm chapter 40, verse 4. Oh, I'm looking at 39, that's why. 40, verse 4. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. And then again, another 20 chapters over to Psalm 65, verse 4, says this, Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Psalm 89, verse 15 Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. I added that. And then Psalm 112, verse 1, to end it off. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. So after taking a look at these verses, we quickly come to realize that our blessing, our happiness, should be found in the Lord. Surprise. I can see some of you going, well, no kidding. It's the Sunday school answer. Where do we find our blessing? Jesus. The answer was Jesus all along. It's like the kid whose Sunday school teacher asked, what's gray, has four legs, a bushy tail, and loves acorns? 
And the kid replied, well, that sounds like a squirrel, but we're in Sunday school, so is it Jesus? (laughs) Seriously, though, look at what the Psalms say. Those who are blessed are the ones who delight in the Lord. They are the ones who fear God, who walk in his light, whose sins are forgiven. That's that's a huge blessing to have your sins forgiven. Who, who live in his courts. If that's the case, then brothers and sisters in Christ, we are so incredibly blessed. Right? It doesn't say blessed are those who live comfortably, who have their finances together, who have their retirement all lined up. That's, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a different kind of blessing. We have so much to celebrate, so much to fill us with joy. So then, why do we often feel so discouraged? Or why do we feel left out? Why don't we feel blessed? Why do we struggle to to see this blessing? Let me suggest that perhaps you could ask yourself two questions. First of all, am I falling to the sin of coveting the things of this world. This isn't a new issue. In fact, the Psalms talk exactly about this problem. If you want to, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 73. And we're going to hang out here for a little bit. In Psalm chapter 73, and listen to what it says. Listen to what the psalmist says here. Surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. We keep reading through this. He keeps on talking about all these ways that the wicked are prospering. And and we get to verse 12. And he says this. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. And have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishments. Isn't it just the most frustrating thing when you look around you or you follow the hashtag blessed and you see all these people directly opposed to God and they're just, they're living it up. I mean, I mean like the psalmist says, what's, what's the point of keeping my heart pure and I don't get to have all the stuff? Right? That's exactly the problem with this whole Hashtag blessed thing. I mean, you see all these celebrities showing off their lavish lifestyle, their yachts, exotic vacations, money, their beauty. They, they have it all. And, and, and you begin, you begin to covet all the things that this world has to offer. We talked a little bit about this in our, in our Modern Fear series as well. It, it, does, it doesn't even have to be celebrities. It can be as simple as seeing the fun stuff your non-Christian friends are doing. How their kids are getting these amazing jobs. The drinks they're enjoying on the beach or the fun motorcycle trip they get to take. And you, 
and you covet and you go, why don't I have those things? Why can't I enjoy myself? If only I had that. If only I had those things, then, then I'd be happy. But let's read a little further in Psalm chapter 73, starting again in verse 16. Here, the psalmist makes a turn, and he says, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. Then I understood their final destiny. And then jumping ahead to 27, Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my, refu my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I find myself with a, with a strange thought the other day. It was right when the trial for this uh, Mexican cartel drug leader, El Chapo, was announced. And since I have relatives in northern Mexico and the whole uh, Mexican drug cartel, it's kind of fascinating to me. And so I decided to read up on the guy. And, and of course, I head over to the ever-reliable Wikipedia, you know, the, the best place for reliable... It's actually pretty good, probably, but whatever. And as I'm reading it, right, I'm reading all about this guy and all the horrific things he's done. And, and I see, right in the, kind of, in the, about this guy, right, net worth, 14 billion U.S. dollars. And for a moment, I thought, man, what a life that guy must have had. The power, the control, the stuff, being above the law in a lot of ways. And for a moment, for a moment... I thought what I could do with $14 billion, and I thought I wanted the $14 billion. But then I came to my senses, not only because it's a completely self-focused thought, and I also remembered none of that matters for him now. All the sin he committed to get where he was, now all the wealth and power, all of it, is gone. And so it has been for many like him before, and will continue to be for others like him in the future. Psalm 49, verse 16 to 19, has something profound to say about those thoughts. Psalm 49, verse 16 to 19 says, Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed. And people praise you when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them, who will never again see the light of life. So question number one again. Am I falling into the trap of coveting? The next question to ask yourself is this, am I truly living fully for Christ? I know this sounds like a classic cliche question, like, come on, Mike, come up with some other challenge, but, but really, isn't, isn't the problem that so often we find ourselves somewhere in between, still chasing after the material blessings of this world, still chasing after all those things to try and satisfy ourselves? 
I mean, really, search your heart. Going back, if we jump back to Psalm chapter 1, I'm going to read it again for you. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction." I think it's important to take note of the beginning of this verse, how it starts. There's, there's a bit of a sin progression described. You know, are you taking some steps with the wicked? And after walking along a little ways, are you now standing around, waiting to be invited to sit down and stay? Back in the day when this was written, who you sat down with said a lot about who you would become. It's why the Pharisees made such a big deal about Jesus hanging out with the sinners all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Pharisees had it right. I don't believe that, that we are to avoid the presence of sinners. That's, that's not at all what Jesus teaches. But there's a, there's a difference, right? There's a difference if you keep reading in Psalm chapter 1. But are, are you sitting in that sin and joining in? Have you walked along, dabbled in it, and, and now you're there? This is, this is what I'm after. The verse goes on to say, The one who is blessed, his delight is in the Lord. Right? And he meditates on the word both day and night. That's the difference. That's what Jesus did. All the time, he was constantly going off to spend time with God in prayer. He was constantly reciting, reading scripture. He knew it very well. That's why he could stand up to the Pharisees' criticism. But the question for you and for me is, are you delighting in the Lord? Is that where you find your delight? Ask yourself this, where, where are my thoughts the majority of the time? What am I thinking about the majority of the time? Psalm chapter 1 is saying, when you're truly, fully devoted to God, your roots will sink down deep. And, and, it, and it won't matter whether things are going, to, are going great or things are going poorly. You, you are blessed because you have a firm grasp on your Savior. That's, that's the beautiful thing about a committed Christian life. J.D. Greer says this, It's not enough to come to church, be a Christian, or even be saved. You have to drive the roots of your soul deep into the gospel so that your thinking, your actions, your identity are all shaped by it. The gospel must become an anchor for your soul, roots that go so deep that whatever season you pass through, whether winters of loneliness or droughts of depression or storms of temptation, that your soul remains steadfast. No, it doesn't mean, we read, we read a lot of these and it sounds like prosper, prosper. The, the psalmist keeps saying that if we do these things, we're going to, then we'll, 
it's not the, that's not the kind of prosper that we're talking about. It's a whole different perspective. It's a whole different level. It doesn't mean that everything's always going to be peachy amazing. In fact, the Christian life is more likely going to be filled with a different kind of, uh, different kinds of pain, like, like the pain of recognizing the fallenness of friends around you. And so many times the, the helplessness of watching them make terrible choices and falling into terrible situations because of it. The Psalms are clear that being righteous doesn't exempt you from pain. And more than that, being, being wicked doesn't exempt you from good things either. But, but when you find your satisfaction in God, this world... And all of its stuff no longer holds anything for you. Your perspective shifts and you live a new life. Going back to Psalm 73 again, verse 25 to 26. It says this. I'm just going to flip there, read it right of here. Psalm 73 says, Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can you say that together with the psalmist? Are you truly satisfied in Christ? I don't know, Jaden, could you put up this? We just sang a song right before, right before this, and I thought it was just amazing how it fit together. It said, close to thee, close to thee, right? Or what was the, what was the words here? I'm forgetting. Right? Thou my everlasting portion, more than friend or life to me, all along my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with thee, close to thee, all along my pilgrim journey. Is that, that's, that's the blessing that we want. That's the blessing, that's the blessedness that we can experience is, is that closeness with Christ. That's, that's our desire. That's, our, that's, that's what should satisfy us. Are, are you truly satisfied in Christ? I think a lot of times we struggle because we're not. Charles Spurgeon said this, the half-committed Christian is the most miserable person on earth. He's just enough in the world to be miserable in the presence of God, and he's just enough into God to be miserable in the world. I'm going to read that again. He's just enough in the world to be miserable in the presence of God, and he's just enough into God to be miserable in the world. When we look at the Psalms, it's, it's pretty clear that our North American definition of blessed definitely doesn't line up with what the Bible has to say about who is blessed and what it means to be blessed. And I think in a lot of ways, this, this should trouble us. But it shouldn't really surprise us. God has always been in the business of removing idols in people's lives, in the process of setting them free from the bondage that they're in, the bondage to sin, to death, and to the world. For Israel, 
It was, it was actual statues. It was a golden calf. For us, it's the way we try to use him to get money, to get fame, success, and happiness. That, that's all measured by the standards of the world. So to close, I just want to challenge you this morning to find your blessing in God. Walk in his ways. Grow your roots down into him. And there you will find that you are blessed. Amen.